gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't baloney. He doesn't stand for baloney. Good evening, my little darklings, and thank you for joining me here this evening as we look at the afterlife, life after death. And I just came back from a really remarkable experience, two nights in Joliet State Prison. I want to thank all of you that came out to visit with me, spend some time with me, and investigate claims of the supernatural. I feel many of you walked away pretty satisfied with the very strange activity that took place. I wanted to share a little bit about that with you because this one was even a little bit more profound than the last few visits that I've had. As I've said, you get a little jaded in this field doing what I do, visiting all of these haunted locations around the world and all the major claims that come with them. Some live up to expectations, some far surpass them, but in a lot of ways, some fall short. It's not the fault of the location or the people running those locations. The spiritual realm is not on a clock. They don't just live by our timeline or wants and desires. So by calling forth spirits, we can only hope that they'll come out to play, that they'll interact with us, that we'll have some kind of meaningful communication. This was very interesting to me uh, because going out to a place like Joliet, again, is one of those kind of locations that, uh, how do you say it? it? A lot of hype, a lot of stories. Major motion pictures have been filmed there for years upon years, decades upon decades, and many of the actors and actresses, the cast and crew, don't like being in the prison past nightfall. Well, is that a psychological thing because you're in a very dark place? And listen, up until the early 2000s, it was still an active prison, but they would film there. They would do these different programs. And again, I wonder how much of it is psychological. So I went with some trepidation, but wanting to, you know, cure my own curiosity. I went in with an open mind. And every trip I went in, we had crazy phenomena. EVP, electronic voice phenomena, DVP, direct voice phenomena. That's right. We could hear voices out loud speaking to us. And footsteps, whistling, other strange noises. And it was really kind of overwhelming for all of the times we've been there. This time really stepped up. And it was interesting, maybe because on the first night, it was a full moon and an eclipse that took place. Is there really power in the lunar cycle and in the eclipse? Magic believes so. Pagans and witchcraft believe in it very heavily. Astronomers, I don't know about them so much, but astrologers do. So there is this power, this unseen force that seems to alter things. Maybe that's what kind of made this weekend so special. Of course, I went out uh, with my good friend and compatriot, hashtag poor Shane, as we got to investigate the uh, Joliet State Prison. And along with 60 of our closest friends and relatives, we got to go through all of the major locations and interact. 
a few of the standout moments for me at Joliet State Prison. And if you've never been there, you should seriously consider visiting it, whether it's with me or Chris Fleming or another event that that's held there. Um, because it, it seems to be a place out of time and space. It, it's still very much alive. The walls are talking. You know, the old saying, if these walls could talk, these walls are. And if you listen close enough, you'll hear the stories that they have to share with you. It's an impressive and terrifying place all at the same time. As we got to investigate through this building, through these buildings, you know, there's the building of solitary confinement and death row. There's the old hospital. There is the east and west block. And those were the main haunts that we went to during this investigation. Spending about an hour in each one of the spots uh, with small groups, we would go in and spend an hour and then rotate to another place. Sometimes you find that some places are cooler than others, uh, meaning not as active. But it seemed like there was something happening most of the night somewhere on that campus. One of the most disturbing things to me was the fact that a couple of our hosts that were with us, Rob and Kara and Nikki, they uh, are fantastic. They've been volunteers there in the past, and, and Kara and Nikki came along on this tour as paid attendees to be there and be a part of it because they enjoy doing this so much. And uh, Rob was talking at the East Cell Block with them as we went in, and uh, they were looking down one of the wings that really seems to terrify a lot of the female visitors and employees and volunteers, talking about just how dark and creepy it is. And Kara was standing behind them, and they were having this conversation, and then they decided to go join our group. And to their surprise, when they rounded the corner, Kara was there videotaping me as I was trying to engage the spirits in an EVP session. They spun around, and Kara was no longer behind them, only to come to find she was with me the entire time. So they had a doppelganger effect in this prison. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar, doppelganger being a spirit or something that takes the form of another recognizable spirit. I don't know that I believe that that exists, that it's some evil entity taking on your guys, because again, the spirit of Kara, this, this being that was there, did nothing harmful or frightening. It just stood there as she had many times before as a volunteer. Were we just blending time and space in that moment and through that quick veil and window, there was Kara as she normally would be on a Friday or Saturday night? Or was something else more sinister at play? Well, as the night progressed, there was a few more sightings of employees in locations where they weren't. And when radioed, you could find out that that employee was across the campus in a totally different building. Yet groups of people saw Rob on the second floor in his bib overalls, leaning over, looking down at them, but he was nowhere to be found. Very strange. And this happened on both nights. Multiple times people would see people in places where they weren't. Very fascinating. There's a lot of strange history, of course, with the prison. Uh, one that always boggles my mind is the serial rapist and murderer Richard Speck, who was brought to Joliet State Prison, and uh, he murdered nurses, and they gave him a job in the hospital ward at the hospital there on, on campus. Very strange. He was also the first prisoner in history to transition behind the bars. Uh, through chemical means, he was changing his body to become a woman. 
according to who you read and what you understand of his claims, it was in penance and a way to survive because as a rapist in prison and a murderer and abuser, he was going to become victim himself. He thought by softening his looks, appearing more feminine, he would take abuse, but it would be something less violent and less chance of being killed. And he was right. Much of what happened to him in that prison is what he did to those nurses. It's no life to lead. Not that I feel sorrow or pity for the man that took these people's lives, but it's just to think about being in these places, in these places that you have to be in your own head constantly. He was under surveillance and watched like a hawk because other prisoners did want to kill him. So he was put in solitary confinement a good portion of the time. I've been in his cell a few times and I've gotten some strange EVP. And one, I said straight up to the spirits in the room, I said, can you hear us or do you just see us? And I got a very clear answer from a male voice saying both. Something intelligent was interacting with me. And at one point in the hospital on the second night, I was standing there as we led in for the investigation that night and kind of broke up through the big hospital wing. And there was one room that just kept calling me into it. And I don't know why. It was the front room. And come to think about it, it was probably the room that Speck worked in that he processed the patients that would come through the doors. And I kind of mused at the fact that how sick and twisted it was to give this man a position in the hospital knowing what he did may have made a disparaging remark towards his unsettled spirit and left. Here's where it gets even weirder. A friend of mine, Lisa, who was there, was using her phone and one of the spirit devices on it. And she walks up to me at one point, as I'm kind of goading the spirit on a little bit, and she shows me her screen for the spirit talker device. And there on the spirit talker device is the name Winifred. You'll see some of the other words written, my heart gave in, can can you move locations? It was very strange. All of these words seemed to be answering questions that I didn't know, you know, she was getting answers for. She was just kind of astounded by this. But when she came over by me, the word Winifred came up. And I just kind of shrugged because I that had nothing to do with where we were or anything. And yeah, it's an interesting coincidence that my wife's name is Winifred, but that's about as far as I took it. Until I got home last night. And as I was unpacking and relaxing after a very long, long weekend, my wife said, I have to ask you something. Did you antagonize one of the spirits at the prison? And I kind of shook my head and I said, I, I don't, not that I can really think of why. She said, because at about 10, 1030 at night, I was laying in bed on Saturday and a husky male voice spoke to me. And that raised my eyebrow. So I picked up my phone and messaged my friend Lisa. And I said, do you have a screen capture of that moment? And she said, yeah, and sent it back to me. And on the screen capture she sent me, and I'm sorry, it's edited out on this, but it was at 10.02 p.m., right around the time that my wife Winifred had a visit. Could it be coincidence? Was it possibly the spirit of her own father visiting her, trying to get her attention? Was it spirit of our neighbor who had passed away? But to be in that same time that I was at the prison, that's why I'm very cautious and do a lot of prayer over myself and my locations and the people that come with me. 
And I don't take what I do lightly because you don't know what the lasting impact or effect could be on people you love. Certainly will make me pause and think a little bit more before doing something like that and calling them out. I know at one point I just called him a sick bastard and not, not normally like me to engage a spirit that way. Even spirits that you wouldn't think deserve our respect. I usually try to be pretty respectful just for the case that we get to leave. The other employees and volunteers have to stay there. And I don't like to kick a hornet's nest and then run away and send other people in. But this spirit definitely seemed more in line with getting in touch with my wife, letting me know that it can transcend the four walls of that prison. Very startling. A lot of EVP, a lot of footsteps, shadowy figures were seen. A lot of the different people with their REM pods and light-up machines and K2 meters were having all kinds of experiences. I will say one of the more fun moments for me was when we were in the hospital ward. There are two ghosts that I seem to interact with every time I'm there, Eugene and Greg. Uh, sometimes Greg is more playful and we got him jamming to a little uh, wham, wake me up before you go-go, played a little bit of music and things got lively. The machines were blinking and flickering and and it was it was fun. Uh, when that went out, we went across the hall to talk to Eugene. Now my, my daughter, Kayla, and my son-in-law, Kevin, were there with us and Kevin, this was his first ghost hunt, and he kind of wandered off with a few other people into the other room, and as we were preparing to communicate with Eugene, I said, Eugene, it's me, Dave. You know what would really make me happy? If you could sneak across the hall and pat my son-in-law on the butt or maybe on top of the head, just let him know you're really here. And we all kind of had a little chuckle, and all of a sudden in the other room, you heard somebody go, what was that? Did somebody just throw a rock at us? And then there's a pause, and wow, did you feel that something big just came into the room? It's interesting they said something big just came into the room because Eugene is always, I guess, presented as a very large figure. As a matter of fact, when I do my EVP, I hold my recorder up over my head, and that's where I get responses from him. If I hold it down regular level, sometimes I get nothing. The minute I hold it up higher, I get very clear EVP. So it was strange. It was funny. And uh, a little bit later, my son-in-law comes over and he goes, I got to tell you something, Dave. He goes, I was in the hospital walking around and all of a sudden something poked me right in the side. He had no idea what I had done. My daughter hadn't told him yet. And we had a good laugh and I explained to him what occurred. I try not to treat the spirits with disrespect or like a bunch of circus monkeys. So I do want to be aware of the fact that they're human. They were human. Their being is still human. So no matter what they were there for. I enjoy the playfulness and the nature of a lot of them, uh, but I don't take it lightly. So crazy, crazy fun weekend. Very fascinating. A lot to stew over, a lot to think over. Kevin, uh, I do think it was sweet. He was in the cafeteria, the uh, inmates dining room, and went in with my daughter alone to do some EVP. And he said, can you give me proof that you're here? Can you whistle and let me hear you whistle? And he caught a whistle on the recording. So that was also another great moment for him to have these aha moments that everything he's seen on TV and has watched his father-in-law do are real. And he got to be a part of that. So that was, that was amazing. I, I said, this might be the only trip I do to Joliet prison this year, but I kind of feel like I might want to go back again this year. So keep watching darknessevents.com. Um, there's just something about that place. 
no, I, I don't feel like I'm being oppressed or pulled back in or something is trying to control me like a puppet. I just am fascinated, and I think there's more of the story to be told there, and I would like to continue to check that out. Uh, so keep an eye out if you want to join me can do that here in the future. Amazing times. Lots of fun stuff coming up on the docket. As a matter of fact, let me mention really quickly here. Coming up here in June, you can join me at the Palmer House weekend, the Spirits of Summer. It's me, Bill Chapel, Shane Pittman. We're going to be investigating the Palmer House Hotel in Sauk Center, Minnesota. We'd love for you to join us. There are only a handful of tickets that still remain. So if you're interested, check out darknessevents.com. How about Hill Con at Hillview Manor in Pennsylvania? If you are interested in going out and seeing something amazing, I've heard nothing but rave reviews of this location and how active it is. Can't wait to get out there. They told me they are down below 20 tickets that still remain. So you can come for the entire day. There are a whole list of amazing speakers. And then there is the VIP ticket where you get into my talk at the end of the night and get to ghost hunt with me for about four or five hours in Hillview Manor. So there are very few tickets that still remain for that. If you want to get one, Go sign up for it right now. Again, you can do that at darknessevents.com. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, our guest joins us. It's going to be a fascinating night. If you want to know about the afterlife, you're not going to want to miss what's coming up next. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores, passing those sweet, sweet savings directly to you, my darklings. It has been such a good change for me. I've saved so much money in switching over to Mint Mobile with all of my family and so many people bleeding me dry. I was so happy to find some relief, and Mint Mobile has been that relief valve. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. So say bye-bye to overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages, and say hello to relief. Thank you, Mint Mobile. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash p60. That's mintmobile.com slash p60. Cut your wireless bills to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash p60. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, start making that dream a reality. You want to be a homeowner? It's about time you make the steps to get to that point. You want to purchase a new home, but you're not sure where to start? The first step is know your buying power. And who better to help you than Whitney Schrader? Listen, even the spirits are calling out to her, right? She's a loan officer with PRMG Mortgage. Her NMLS number is 232331. She will be with you every step of the way. So check it out for yourself. And make the first step to that first purchase. Or if you're just looking to refinance or want to buy a second home, another home, she's your gal. You can reach her at 763-203-9641. 763-203-9641. Haunted Magazine. 
is a publication dedicated to all things paranormal and spooky. Each issue features articles, interviews, and stories about ghosts, hauntings, and other unexplained phenomena. The magazine also covers topics such as cryptozoology, UFOs, and other aspects of the supernatural. Expect to find in-depth investigations of haunted locations, first-hand accounts of ghostly encounters, and reports of paranormal events and attractions. The magazine also includes features on the latest ghost hunting technology and techniques, as well as tips for those looking to search the supernatural on their own. Issue 37, The Frights of Spring, will be in stores from March 6. So remember, don't be normal, be paranormal, and order your copy today. We are back. Stephen Chong, my guest for the remainder of tonight's show. He is a highly sought-after professional development coach, keynote speaker, and author. And he shares his passion for life with everyone that he meets. Over the past 25 years, he has provided guidance and motivation to countless people through his inspirational messages and ability to bring the best out in people. Stephen's wise observations of modern work and personal life will give you insight into how to realize your highest potential through a rich and fulfilling life. He lives in Queensland, Australia, and he has a brand new book called The Afterlife, A Journey to Now You Know What Will Happen. Please help me welcome for the first time here to the Paranormal 60, Mr. Stephen Chong. Thank you so much for being here, sir. Oh, Dave, thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, and that was quite an experience you described. My goodness. Yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy uh, visit. I, I like I said, I love it. I'm fascinated by the place. It's interesting to me to see that you would think when you bring in larger groups of people, it would make it harder for the spiritual activity. But I think it feeds the spirit realm there. Maybe I'm wrong, yes. but it, it seems to 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 go crazy. Well, let's uh, let's dive into your story. This is fascinating to me. Now, you had a near death experience yourself, correct? Mm, correct yes um uh, what you do when you get over 60 you get up uh, and clean out the gutters in in your house uh, mm -hmm. and you know uh, i fell off five meters and i'm just in front of me here where i'm sitting and i'm on the ground uh, and i can't feel anything so i thought mm -hmm. oh, oh i'm i'm in trouble <laughs> mm -hmm. and th thankfully on that particular day my wife was here and we're very remote so we're a long way from other people and you know so here we stand and here i am uh thankfully because my wife was was there to look after me so yes and it was it was quite the spiritual awakening experience i can assure you and, and i gotta tell gotta tell you dave that if i ever get up on a ladder again it won't be a near-death experience it'll be a death experience because my wife killed me yeah right <laughs> and uh I just want you to know that's why I bought gutter shields for my house. I will never be a good idea because <laughs> I, I know myself too well. Uh, so you you fall, you you feel like you're paralyzed. What happens to you? I mean, is this something then that kind of are you launched out of your body? What what is that like? Yeah, Dave, I've got to tell you that the revelations were not at that point in time. The revelation came subsequent during the, the period of, of rehabilitation. See, by, by way of background, I'd, I'd shut down, you know, I'm in my 60s now mm -hmm. and I 
retired and I'd stopped writing. I said, I'm done, you know, let's start planting tomatoes. But as I'm lying on the couch, good for nothing, I, I, I kept hearing this, there's more, Stephen, there's more for you to do. And it was like a constant, like a, a recording. And, and I had this title in my head, you know, the afterlife. And I thought, well, and I said, no, leave me alone. And But eventually I bought into the process. I said, mm-hmm. okay, you, you, you to the universe, you want me to write this thing, you have to show me the afterlife. What do I know? I, I, I know nothing. So you need to show me. And what happened from there, I've sat myself down in front of the PC and as soon as I did, I started to see the the, the, the images, uh, the colours, the music. And it was, it was all in heaven. And and through this character's eyes that we'll talk about later, I'm, I'm seeing he's taking me through these different levels. So I'm just sitting there basically taking dictation and doing my best to describe what I'm what I'm seeing. It was like a like a scenic railway tour of, of the heavenly realms. This this character, this 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 person, this spirit is taking me through these different levels. And I'm just writing going, wow. wow. <laughs> but now when you're doing this, you're a creative soul, you're an author, you're a mm-hmm. you're a speaker. Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate between this is information coming from a third-party source and this is, you've taken a spill, it's made you reevaluate mm-hmm. your life, you've thought about life and death probably more in that moment than you ever had before. How do you mm-hmm. know that this isn't more of a projection of what you hope there to be as opposed to another spirit downloading the information to you? That's a very good question. Uh, the, the, to me, it was a total gift. Because I, you know, I have no preconceived idea of what what the afterlife entails, but mm-hmm. as I say, every, every, and I, but I trusted implicitly, and I still do. The images and the and the dialogue came through. It was a complete complete journey of trust between me and whoever was was giving me these these words and images. And in fact, the the, the words, the dialogue in the book is somewhat. Arcane, it's gothic, and I—I'm a, I'm a, just an Aussie dude, you know. I don't speak like that. I don't write like that. So I know yeah. the words and the images, and I heard the music and saw the colours. Was all a beautiful gift, and one that I'm forever grateful. As this is happening to you, mm. we all have that voice in our head, right? We all have that niggling little voice that tells us we're not good enough or we're too slow or God, how you're so old and this or that, you're right. Just that voice. Then we've got the voice of intuition that comes in from time to time to let us know. And it's like a different type of voice. How would you, how would you explain the the voice that you're hearing? Is it even a voice or is it more, I know you said you're, you're getting images, but yes. Yeah. It's, that's a very interesting concept. To me, there's three three areas within all of us. Um, let's first one is the well, and that well is that that and you can it's a well you can dip into at any time, and it never it, it always refreshes, and it's that well of in, intuition, uh, inspiration, and that's a connection to the divine. It is always always there for us. 
in the middle, if you like, is mm -hmm. what you perfectly described. It, it's the barrier, the the lack of self-esteem, the I'm not good enough type thing that prohibits. It. So the inspiration wants to come in, but it hits this, this area that says, I'm not a writer, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I'm just a regular dude. Right. Once we let that go, I don't have that blockage. There is no blockage with me in mm -hmm. that. So once the door opens, then we then we're able to experience the wonder of what we are given, those gifts, those inspirations that you know um, we never knew were there, but yeah, you know, in that well, you know, it, it provides us with that guidance and that inspiration. But if we have that barrier in the middle that says we're not good enough, that stuff can't get through. So I must somehow open that door. I, I fall victim to that myself. I know I start writing and then question and I watch the door kind of start to shut on myself. You have That's a good point. You've got to try to stay in that opening, stay in that zone. As you're yeah. getting this information, this download of information about the heaven, the heavenly realm, the afterlife, mm. was there ever anything trying to intercede? Was there something you felt otherworldly that would try to shut it down or negatively impact the experience? Mm. Again, good question. No, the answer was no, because to, to me, because there's, there's no internal barriers to say, oh, you know, I'm not good enough, you know, and I don't like the term medium. It would, for me, it was like, it's like tuning in, listening, mm -hmm. and it's not a thinking process. It was a listening process. I would, I would, every time I sat, I would say, okay. And I had no storyboard. There was no, no idea when I started. And yet every time I sat, the next part came. And the, the, this character's taking me through to the next levels. Uh, pure trust, trust. And I knew it was going to be there. Uh, I trusted implicitly that I was not alone. There was nothing negative. Uh, in fact, it was all beautiful, really, quite frankly, a beautiful experience. That's uh, and what we'll talk a bit about it later, um, that has manifested as experience in the last couple of weeks. I, uh, last week I lost my dear mother. Um, Sorry to and the, 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 the knowledge and lessons I've learned from the writing of the book um, have now become experiential. So I know, I know where she is. I know how that, you know, how to connect with her. I know because she was a quite an angelic being, the levels that she's now experiencing. So I, I, I experience that as well as know it now by virtue of writing this book. Do you think that maybe you were chosen for this experience because of what was coming because of this loss, maybe to help, make you be able to understand it and translate it better to the layperson because now yes, not only did you have a chance to see it you were living through a loss that you could now connect to what you were just given yes i think that's absolutely correct but the choice is two ways to me again because as i as i said before i shut down i wasn't doing anymore but i constantly said okay let's do this you know I, i'm in so that, mm -hmm. to me, is a key that opens the door for the universe to say, okay, Chong, get this in you. <laughs> now, when you're connected to this and you're, you're mm. feeling, and I do understand, I, I sat down one day at home uh, many years ago with a, a seed of an idea, and I just put my fingers on the keyboard, and five hours later, I kind of woke up, if you will, and had typed an entire story. Yeah. And it was 
bizarre to me because it just free. I had no plan. I had no idea. I had a, a seed. I wanted to write a story about Bigfoot and aliens. And that was about the extent of it. And it became like a, a more of a young adult book. And it was a, mm-hmm. you know, it just poured out of me. It wasn't what I expected. And I, yes. so I, I understand that kind of becoming a conduit and I love music and I, I mm-hmm. listen to musicians tell their stories. And when you read their biographies, how many of them feel like they become a funnel to something greater once they open themselves up, it's like these things come to them from a higher power. Yes. How do you unplug from that, especially when you're getting that kind of information? Or did you always kind of feel in that like awakened, heightened sense, even when you weren't writing? You know, that's an interesting question. And one that relates specifically to, to this morning. Um, I had breakfast with a couple of colleagues of mine and we're, we're, we're tight, we're mates, and we've mm-hmm. gone through some, some tough times together, but we're also very goal-focused, which has enabled a, a beautiful life mm-hmm. to happen. However, I said to them this morning that now, by virtue of this writing and my understanding of, of, of the greater understanding of the heavenly realms, I now work on more principally on this, this, on this intuition, so tap into that well rather than tapping, trying to tap in and reason it out or, or, or work it out. Tap in, ask the question, universe, what do I do about this thing? How do I fix this problem? And then it becomes not a thinking process, it becomes a listening process. It's like when we, uh, an example might be when we go to bed uh, at night with a problem. You know, the mind shuts down in sleep but then we wake up in the middle of the morning, we've got the answer. That's a direct conduit between the mm-hmm. well, the inspiration, that Godhead, if you will, says, Stephen, you've asked me a question. Here's the answer. That, so I, I, I know we can tap into that at any time. And I also know that the, the, the guides, the guardians that are with us all the time, it, um, can be us, these sorts of, you know, ask directly, what do we do? How do we fix? Where do I go? And the answer will come. Absolutely. I trust that implicitly. We've we've got 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so in front of us here. So I want to ask you a darker, more, um, a darker question and that we can then lighten up from there to leave people at the end of this feeling much better. You. <laughs> but you're, you're dealing in this realm and this energy is giving you this input about life after death. There are many people, right? Many ghosts, we believe, that that decide not to move on for fear of judgment, for fear of hell. Mm. Were you given insight as to there being a hell realm or something along those lines? Yes. Yes, I was directly. Um, and remember, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing all this through these main character's eyes. Now, mm. we got taken to what I've called the nether regions. So um, if you can imagine a... A desolate a bushfire, you know, burnt smell and the smell of, of toxicity. So we walk through this area mm-hmm. and opens into this huge portal. Remember, I've got a guide with me, like a master angel. He's with me, uh, guiding me through. And so we go into this area, and what I saw were these huge vortices, vortices of power. Um, I, like I asked, what? Is this? This is horrible. And there were souls entrapped in these vortices. Hmm. 
And and what the answer was from this this spirit master spirit who says souls are trapped by choice. This is not the judgment of heaven. This is not the the heavenly Father passing judgment on that particular soul. It was these souls that entrapped by choice. Uh, if you think of the the seven deadly sins: envy, greed, lust. With you know that 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 traps the soul within mm -hmm. in these vortices. And what I saw was some souls were trying to get out, escape, but there were others pulling them, pulling them back in, staying, you know, um, you know, you can't go. But what I also saw and described as best I could was around these vortices were these beautiful angelic beings. And I asked, what, what are they doing here? And the answer I received was as soon as a soul can release himself from that burden of choice. As soon as they use the word repent, shall I, they they are then removed from that vortice of power, the vortex of power, and taken away by the heavenly angels to to you know evolve in whatever manner they had to. But that was to me the definition of hell. It's all heaven, but mm -hmm. that was the nether regions and that's what I saw. Well, you know, it's, you think about how we put ourselves in our own version of hell here on earth, allowing the voices, allowing anxieties, depression, allowing, you know, uh, our past to weigh us down. Mm. It's kind of sad to think that we go from here to another place where we could put ourselves right back in that same cell. There you go. And, and then how do you, how do you, you know, consciousness this is maybe a good time in life, right? We're always so focused on death and what comes next. Maybe mm -hmm. this is the time to start to focus on learning to give things up, learning to get past past hurts and your own fallibilities and mistakes so that you, when you're there and you go into that vortex, which I'm, I think we all have to go through at some point, Stephen, I believe mm -hmm. that is our, our lot that we will enter that. And once we're there, um, we have to come to terms with the things we've done and how we've affected and impacted yes. other people. And, yes. but then learning now the right way to not, not cavalier or uh, unempathetically pass it over. Like, well, so I screwed Steven over on that deal. <laughs> I forgive myself. Let's move on. It, I think yeah, it's going to yeah, be yeah. so much deeper than that. Right. I mean, we're going to be taking an evolutionary step. So it's, it's maybe a good thing again in life to start utilizing the time you have to learn how to make your soul better so that in those transitionary periods, you can reach that hand up and pull yourself out and, Absolutely. and make the clear. Right. Absolutely. And I've got to tell you something really interesting, Dave, um, you know, through the writing, the writing process was beautiful. And then you, you read it and you, and you read it a hundred times mm -hmm. and it was about, I reckon three months after I had finished the writing and it was like the voices in my head again going, Stephen, you've missed something. Read it again. What the? So I read it again and in what I found then by revelation embedded in the texts were these laws, laws of heaven and earth I've called them, and I was only wise enough to find 15. But let me give you one of those that comes to mind. And it, the law is what you cause to affect in others declares your place in heaven. Mm -hmm. 
pretty cool. So, and dubs, dovetails into exactly what you're saying. So if I do bad things to you, I've got to know because we're all one in spirit. That's, mm-hmm. that's a given law. We know this. So what I cause to affect in another, so if I do bad things to you, it's not you that bears the consequences. It is me that will bear. So if that doesn't draw some merit paths, I don't know what does. <laughs> you know, I had an interesting uh, conversation with one of my kids years ago when they were very little and still loved me and talked openly with me. <laughs> they still love me. They're just, but it was the whole effect of being good. So I should be good so I can go to heaven. And mm. then the question came from them, but is that really being good? If I'm doing it for the intention of just not being punished, is that mean uh, I'm still good? And I was like, wow, that's a deep, deep question. Yeah. And I didn't know how to answer that. It's interesting, right? I mean, does, all right, if God sees me do good on earth, but I'm only doing it so that I don't have to burn in the eternal flames of hell at the end of it, mm-hmm. I guess the, the outcome is still do good. You're doing, you've made an impact, a positive impact, whether it's just to buy your soul out of hell or out of hell, as long as the, the job is done, that's the important part. Mm, it's interesting, Dave. What I reckon, uh, that, that to me presents at a certain list, this good and bad is a relative thing. So I could do what I think is good to you and you go, you're an idiot, Stephen. But so we've got to elevate our, our, our thinking to uh, what, what, that let, allow that inspiration to come in that moment mm-hmm. just to be, you know, if I open up my, uh, yeah, not, even, not emotions, but I, I, I'm open to the intuition that's going to come in that particular moment because I trust it, but I know it's the best thing for that right. moment. Not, See, not I think, isn't is it interesting? It's okay to face that moment of, I'm going to, no, I'm going to choose to do something good here because I don't want the karmic effect back because that's still, that puts you in a place of being aware and and empathetic and conscious Mm -hmm. of the moment that even Mm -hmm. though you might not feel it, you're starting to build a muscle that I bet will end up working in the long run without needing to question. Absolutely. And I think you perfectly described it. It's, it's, it's muscle. It needs to be exercised. Um, And the, the more we're in tune with that muscle, um, the the better it's going to work. Um, empathy, I think, empathy, compassion have, have got to be the keys to understand that you and I are one in spirit. So uh, I I will be the best I can be uh, in that present moment with you as we are, which is kind of cool. Mark and, has and an interesting question. Yep, so, go so ahead. Again? Finish finish up. Go ahead. Well, the consequences there, I, I'm open. Whatever happens, I've done my best here with Dave and, you know, I, I, I didn't intend to hurt him or do anything of that nature. I'm all good, best we can be. Right. Mark says, what if Earth is just a, a giant living womb and our death is our true birth into the true realm of being? I like that thought. That's an interesting uh, concept. I think I think that's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Well, we're eternal beings, aren't we? We yeah. have limited time on this on this on this planet. We, we we have a purpose to fulfill, and it's a divine purpose. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Uh, that takes some recognition, and it doesn't make it easy. But we should pass over as best we can with no regrets. I've done my best. Lena points out. She goes, "You know, in Catholic elementary school, whenever we had questions like that for nuns, we got smacked." 
unfortunately, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's because a lot of a, a lot of leaders aren't given answers because That's they're true. they're not asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. They, they take things by the book. They take things by without. And, and that's the one thing when I've had people challenge me, Stephen, they're like, why do you question God? Why do you? And I said, because I think that's what God wants. He doesn't yes, want absolutely. us following blindly, even though it says you have to yes. have faith. In order to have faith, you have to question things because you've got to yes. then see the right path. Correct. Um, Ab- so Absolutely correct. Talk to me about these different realms. So there's that that vortices of, of hellfire, mm. if you will. Um, yeah, and yeah. what did you call that? You called that the the nether regions. Nether regions, okay. Yeah. And then, where does it go from there? What are, are there different uh, okay. evolutions of heaven? How does that work? Yes. Yeah. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, mm-hmm. And the first one that comes to mind, I, I got taken again. It's all guided. I was with a, a like a master soul, an angelic being, and we got taken into this. If you can imagine the Colosseum. The Roman Colosseum mm-hmm. was just like that, mm-hmm. a beautiful, magnificent uh, edifice. And in this uh, Colosseum were all these beautiful souls. And you've got to imagine the colours because we're all um, delving into different areas, but they're all beautifully robed in different di- colours you could not even imagine. Forget the ten, seven colours of the rainbow. So, And they're all chanting this on. So the sound is uplifting. And in the middle of these, this arena were these reposed lounges, recliners. So, you know, I'm seeing all of this and in come these seraphim, beautiful angelic beings, and they've got, they have the charge of a decrepit soul and these souls are like disabled and deformed. And these, these the seraphim led their charge to place these souls on these recliners. And in walked this beautiful angelic being, just in beautiful white gold. Uh, and he stood majestic in the middle of this arena and he held his hands up. And he started to manipulate the the energy, like, like into a ball. I call it the magnetic coral. He had this weaving this ball of magnetism and from this ball shone this this laser light into these beings on the couches again i'm just watching this taking taking it all down in dictation what the and then after a while the he the master angel sort of folded the the magnetic coral back and then these beings that were before decrepit and disabled were totally renewed. They had been released from the burdens that they had brought into heaven with them. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they stood majestic. And I, and I asked the question, what, what is this? Have they been relieved of all their sins? And the answer came that burdens imposed by others on that soul are not uh, sins that need to be carried forward. If that makes sense. So you, if if I do bad things to you, say I give you a bad medicine to cause you distress and harm, mm-hmm. you are released from those burdens in heaven. Uh, but I bear the consequences of what I've done to you. Mm-hmm. But that soul 
is in release from that melody or that 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 disability, if that makes sense. That was the, right. what I saw, the magnetic problem. Yeah. You know, it's uh, interesting that you, you mentioned that because I actually had um, – <laughs> I used to, as a teenager, I was a volunteer at a place called Marklund Children's Home in mm. Bloomingdale, Illinois. It was just fascinating. It was like Terabithia, just this beautiful little oasis unto itself in the back of Bloomingdale, Illinois. And mm. uh, if you didn't even know it was there, you would you would have passed right by. And it was beautiful grounds. Just, but I used to go there as a teenager, and I'd, I'd volunteer to help these children. And I, I found myself facing children that were very crippled up. And I remember uh, this little boy, Jude, um, and he looked like um, the elephant man as a child. You know, his face was twisted, his body all twisted up. And I remember them bringing me in to meet Jude and uh, having this fear inside me. And it was like, and, and I remember thinking to myself, why am I afraid of this kid? Just because of the way he looks, that's not right. And mm -hmm. I put I put my hand inside his crib and he he pushed his face up against my hand. And he just this beautiful little crooked smile came out and these bright, beautiful blue eyes. Yeah, and I say. never saw him again like I did when I first entered that room. I only mm -hmm. saw him like a like a being of light, if that makes sense, like an angel. I, and, and there were many of the children that I saw that with that you this was this this is what you the viewer are allowed to see unless you open your heart and then you get to see this and i know that sounds very oh pat dave on the back and i don't mean it to be i just mean it was like sometimes we're so focused on one narrative that we miss the bigger image and i saw yeah. beyond their dis their deformities and maladies and i saw the beautiful soul inside and man it just i would have it, it was really overpowering and, and overwhelming to see something like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, I loved absolutely. that job. I did that for two years as a volunteer and cool. I loved every moment of it, yeah, but it's cool. interesting, right? That, that shows the malady. Now, do you think the gift that you're given, you're taken to this room, put in a lounger, these laser lights come down. Do you think these images are given to you as a something to, okay, how are you, how am I going to explain to you? It's like, how do you explain to a blind person, a rainbow? So yeah. let's, let's break this down. What I'm giving you is the idea I'm playing charades. They get comfortable. We clear them out. Then they're healthy again. I mean, do you really think there's recliners and lightning bolts coming into people to clear them or is, or is it more of a, a vision just to give you an idea of how, what, what really happens? Oh, uh, Dave, that's a very interesting question. I, I, Having saw what I saw and having had no idea of these things previously, I, I it's almost literal for me. It's seeing it and it was so so powerful that I could not not believe it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, it sort of broke down. Any, I had well, whilst I had no preconceived ideas, I had no idea what heaven was like. So I got shown this, and I have to treat it as I hate the word gospel, but. It, as a as a as a truth, that's what I saw, and that's what I described. Um, and it was was just so, and it was just not just the description. So I'm I'm not just being objective and writing this. I'm feeling what is mm -hmm. is there, experiencing. Um, let me give you another example of, of that, uh, and it's about children. Please, okay. please. T 
taken and it's called the school of children and i got taken into this building and if you can imagine marble alabaster beautiful colonnades not just a regular old building this is a magnificent edifice and i i walked into this building and even now i, I get the chills because the love that was in this building was uh, it was like in walking through love soup <laughs> lousy description but that's that's what it was i get like. you i understand right <laughs> um and i got what what is this and there's all these little there's these rooms and in the rooms are fledgling souls children that have left the earth earth plane early you know died in childhood and it, it is this school was where these beautiful young souls are brought to their prime of spirit. There, there is, there are no children that are left behind. Every young soul is so treasured by the heavenly Father, by the angelic forces in this school that I saw. Yeah, from from little babes in arms to to you know old older souls. But it was a school for children, and the love there was so magnificent. I can, I did my best to describe it in the book. I hope I did it justice, mm -hmm. but I can feel it even now. That's beautiful. To be given these gifts of, of sight and understanding of things. Yeah. Did you have a fear of death prior to this, Stephen? A lack of knowledge, absolutely. Uh, and. Uh, and subsequently, Dave, I've got to tell you, no, no, I do not now. Okay. I, I know what we go through. Um, I have laws now. Uh, I've been given these laws of heaven and earth by which to make life a better place in the limited time that I have available. So the answer is no. And and, uh, and I mentioned I lost my mother only last week. And how yeah, she's a beautiful being that she was. And I know where she's gone. I know where she is. Uh, and I know the love which she's entered. So that still doesn't mean I don't grieve for the mother that right, I love. Of course. But it makes it, the transition so much easier, so much more beautiful. Agreed. Right. I mean, and that's my mother having passed going on seven years this year. Mm -hmm. There's never, you never fully give up that grieving, but you realize that it's not for them that you're grieving. It's for your soul, for your loss that you grieve. Yes. But it's not, oh, what is she? She's missing this. I know she's around. I know she sees these things. I know mm -hmm. she's witness to these things. But that's an interesting element of what grieving is, right? And how much of our life do we waste? And I I try to give that advice to people when they reach out to me and they're like, I just lost this. I don't even think I want to live anymore. And I say, hey, man, I've been there. I've, I've walked that. I've felt that. But you know what I also realize is that's the last thing my mother would have wanted. The last <laughs> thing. So what I do is I wake up every day and I find a reason to be alive, to do what I have to do and make sure that I live a life worth living so that when I get up there, and even if it's just for a visit, Stephen, if I get up there. <laughs> well, there's nowhere else to go, Dave. So. All right, that's right. We can, we can catch up and she can say, look at all the, look at all you did. Look at yeah, all yeah. you did after that moment. See, that didn't define you. The loss didn't define you. And that's, I, you know, I try to share that with people and it's hard in the midst of that first wave of grief. But that is yes. a big part of what kept me going was just, all right, so now let's just live for mom. Let's make sure that I have as many experiences as I can for her, see the states quicker than she did, see other parts of the world quicker than she did, do things that she missed out on 
you know, uh, so I've, I've done my best to try to get to those uh, places as well with her in mind. And, you know, yeah, that's the, the concept of death and what comes, it, it's something that sh- shakes up most of us. And for the most part of my life, I've had nothing but a fear of death. Not until a few years ago did that fear finally release itself. I'm not looking forward to death. I don't want to get there anytime soon. But the the fear is gone. Yes. Uh, you know, yes, and, and I think that's, yeah, it's, it's you know, like Ricky Gervais says, you know, about uh, uh, dumb people and, and uh, the afterlife, right? I mean, the only person that knows the truth is, you know, <laughs> the dumb person or the, the, you know, you're either there or you're not there, right? And and I uh, butchered his, his saying, but the fact is that when you die, if there is something, great. And if there's not, I won't know anyway. So stop worrying about something that yeah. I'm ruining my life worrying about and just enjoy it all. This is great. Yes. How many That's more right. spins around the sun do I get? So let's hey. make sure we milk it as much as we can, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Dave, I've got to tell you, there's two things that I learned consequential of writing the book. Mm-hmm. And one is love connects soul with soul. So it's a bridge. And as long as that remains strong and true, then the link between us and that loved one mm-hmm. shines so brightly and so, and, and that's our, our, our ultimate connection. The other thing that I understand from the writing is that grief, grief holds back the soul in heaven because they're constantly looking back at us and go, oh, that's my son, he's grieving for me, I have to be there. Let them go. Right. They're, 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 they're still evolving in heaven. Uh, and when they're looking back at us, um, trying to, you know, calm our needs, we're, they're not able to evolve themselves. So let them go with love. They'll always be there. But our grief will hold them here with us. Right. We're haunting them. There, yes. Reality is. <laughs> cool right. way to put it. <laughs> we're, we're haunting them. I'll give that to Ricky Gervais as well because at the end of his movie, Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Ghost Town, it's a beautiful movie, great vibe through the whole thing. And basically he does, he tells you it's our grief. It's our grief that keeps spirits because Mm. they don't want to disappoint or let us down either. So it's best for us to say our goodbyes and let them go. Beautiful sentiment. What walking away from this, obviously I want people to buy the book. We're not going to give away everything that you've, you've covered in the book. We've given some tantalizing Mm. tastes and pieces throughout the evening what would you say is one of the biggest lessons for you that really kind of shook the world you thought you knew? It's a very good question, Dave. I reckon it comes back down to the law that we all know, but kind of put aside. And it's 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 a law that's been given to us through all sorts of scriptures. It's what you say, so shall you read. If we know that what we cause to affected others you know, is going to determine our our place in heaven. So for goodness sake, use that law to enable us to a better life. And, of course, by enabling ourselves, we're enabling the ones around us in our sphere of influence. We, we tell our story to as many as we can, help them make life a better place. I think that's the most profound. And, and what we mentioned before is that losing that fear of death, losing the fear of the passing over, to know that when we pass over, we are passing over into hand into the hands of the, the Heavenly Father, the great God, the universe, whatever you like to call him. That, to me, it's profound, it's profound knowledge that enables us to make life a better place. 
Do you believe we do reincarnate? Do we get to keep coming back and, and riding this roller coaster over and over? Uh, I've got to tell you, to? yeah, so uh, my belief is yes. I never saw that in the book. I must tell you that. What I, there are aspects of the book where the spirit was able to come down to assist uh, uh, souls in life, but mm -hmm. it wasn't re reincarnation. So I didn't. there's nothing about reincarnation in the book that I was told or shown. So I can't confirm that, but I do believe that that happens. Yes, absolutely. Stephen, thank you for coming on uh, tonight with us. I know in Australia it's lunchtime and you've got a day ahead of you, but I, I appreciate you helping to put us to bed with good thoughts and, and possibly new paradigms to examine yeah. Uh, for what the afterlife means. And uh, I encourage people, again, pick up a copy of the book. We have a link for it on today's program guide, whether you're listening to the audio or watching along on the video. There's always a link for the guests and their books. You can find it and then uh, make sure to read it. Rate and review the book as well, because that certainly helps the authors so that their book gets more exposure. Stephen, thank you for coming on and being a part of the show tonight. Oh, Dave, it's a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, an important lesson that I learned tonight hearing from Stephen is in the way we look at things. And you could look at that vortex of screaming souls and think that is hell. You could see the downside of it all, or you can realize that it's a learning experience. It's a place like we live every day on life. The bad days don't define us. Getting out of that and finally freeing your soul, it gives you a better appreciation once you're out of that vortex, right? And the way we see things, the way we choose to experience things influence our lives and the lives of others around us. I was given a gift, not once, not twice, but three times of sight that I oftentimes forget. And I think it's it's an important gift, you know, with those children at Mark Lund's children home, that was the physical realm. And I, I'm always cautious to tell these other two stories because I understand how nuts it can make someone sound. But you've been along with me on this ride for 18 years, many of you, some of you knew. But uh, in one instance, I had a very dark moment uh, and had uh, just kind of lost my way and ended up sitting down at this table at a little restaurant, a little cafe. And I had a gentleman uh, ask to join me because there was no other place to sit. And my first reservation was, oh, geez, I don't want this dirty old homeless guy sitting with me. You know, I just wanted to veg out. And he just sat down and didn't look any more interested in talking to me than I was to have him talk to me. But this beat up, grizzled old man just sat there. And he looked at me in a way that was not unnerving, not uncomfortable, not judging, but almost as though he was weighing my soul as though he was seeing something in me that was upsetting. And he just said, well, why don't you tell me what's wrong? And I said, pardon me? And he goes, well, obviously there's something heavy on your heart. What, what is it? And we started to talk and we talked about perceptions and things. And it was interesting because again, as we spoke, this man was still a craggled, beat up looking old homeless man, but there was something different about him. And it wasn't until near the end of our conversation that things took a very supernatural turn. And I talked about wanting signs, wanting the ability to know that I'm not alone, that God is hearing me. And, and he just looked at me and he said, well, of course he is. That's why he sends the angels. And I said, I don't see angels. I have never seen an angel. And he just smiled and he goes, what does an angel look like to you? 
And I said, well, they're beautiful, right? They're beautiful, long flowing hair, white robes, wings. And he laughed. He said, the wings were created by the artists. That's not what it really looks like. And I said, well, what does an angel look like? And he goes, it looks like a beat up old man because that beat up old man's been fighting for your soul for years, protecting you in all your down places. And when you think about it, that's exactly what an angel would look like. Not some pretty Barbie and Ken doll. We talked for a few more moments and he excused himself and was gone. We ask for signs without knowing what the sign is that we want to see. And that day I was given a sign of what my angel looks like and just how hard he's fought. And the last experience I had, again, putting me in a very contemplative state, feeling like I had let myself down, let my family down, let my, my world down. And I had, as I often do, turned to food because, you know, that makes you feel better, especially if you live in Chicago. I got myself a hot dog, sat down on a bench, and I had this guy sit down on the bench next to me, and he just put his hands over his face and bent his head, and he just started crying. And I felt this, what do you do? You, I don't want to just ignore this man might need somebody to talk to or need something, or maybe he's just lost. And I said, is everything okay? And he turned to me and he said, no, I think I've let my son down. I've put him in a bad place and I don't know how to reach him anymore. I don't know what to do. And we talked and talked about this sense of loss that he had. And for this time that we talked, I was getting out of my own head and I was hearing the words of a father worried about his son. That in the son's disappointment and loss, the father felt the reflection of it as though he had failed. And it was a, beautiful little conversation, a sad little conversation. And I just listened and heard his heart and heard his plight. And I felt lifted. I felt something lift from me. And before I left, I hadn't even eaten the hot dog. He looked like he could use it. I said, you know what? I'm not even really that hungry anymore. Would you like this? Otherwise it's, you know, I'm just going to end up throwing it out. And he said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And he took the hot dog. I took a bite of it and smiled. And I said, well, I hope that your day gets better. And I want you to know, you know, as kids, we make mistakes. We stumble and fall, but it's not our parents' fault. We have to learn these lessons in life. We have to do this. And he goes, I'm glad you said that. And he gave me a smile. I turned and started to walk away. And uh, I turned back one more time just to glance at the old man, and he wasn't there. He was nowhere. And there was no way that guy beat feet in the five seconds I was turned around. So when people ask me, am I religious? Do I believe in God? Yeah. I bought him a hot dog. 
see beyond the things in front of you. And that's where freedom lies. See beyond the ugly to realize that there's something beyond that, more to that. I get choked up and emotional about these things because I realize how gifted and blessed my life has been. And it comes to me in moments like this when you need it most. So when you want your signs, sometimes they're going to come in ways you don't expect. Be willing to accept them anyway. I want to thank you all for being here. And I hope that the darkness is just a little bit more light with the information that we share. And I thank you for being a part of my family and letting me be a part of yours. Until Wednesday, when we return with the Paranormal 60 News, I'm your host, Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. Thank you.